Today, I'm joined by the lovely Judy Abad. Hello, Judy. Hi, Emma. Thank you. It is so good to have you on uh, this session today because it's so interesting to me because you are an operations expert. You have a ton of experience working with so many tech companies across many functions. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you know all about operations and you're the first operations expert we've had on Adventures in Messaging. And I'd love to just understand that thread between product marketing, messaging and operations. Yeah, well, I'm honored to be the first. Um, and I just want to say that I love the Sharebird community and how you bring product marketers together to learn and grow from each other. I think it's incredible. So I am really excited to be here, even though marketing isn't my primary day-to-day -day function. Um, what I hope more than anything is that like, my career can be an example for people who deeply love marketing and also enjoy the operational aspects of running a business. Prior to working in strategy and operations, I actually spent a lot of time in product marketing. So I really think for me, the, the thread line through all of this is that at my heart, I love building and scaling companies. And in order to do that well, you have to understand go to market. You need to know how to launch, position, and grow products successfully in order to do that well. Awesome. Oh, that is so cool. It really is, you know, the power of messaging, playing into scaling, going to market, all those things. And yeah, you don't need to pigeonhole yourself into just one specific function, even if you love it, right? You can have many passions and, um, you know, grow your career in that way. So thank yeah. you for kind of sharing your career path. I love unconventional, interesting <laughs> career paths. <laughs> so, you know, I know you've worked with some, you know, really big companies, you've had some amazing global experience. And I know you've also worked with a lot of, you know, earlier stage startups as well. And one problem that I know comes up for a lot of startups, at least, is, okay, you know, we've had great fit with, um, you know, this defined audience, they love us, right? But we're ready to kind of go enterprise or ready to reach new verticals and expand to new audiences. And that goes to messaging, you know, what's the right message to now speak to new people who don't know us? And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that and how to kind of face that challenge of broadening, you know, your message to new audiences? Yeah, I think it's, it's such a common challenge. I mean, when you think about kind of how um, startups grow in their life cycle, you've always got that early group of your early group of core users, your innovators who are going to be really enthusiastic and they're coming in and they want to test every feature. They want to know how everything works. They're looking for bugs and they're giving you feedback constantly. And that's wonderful. But how do you branch out from there and how do you continue to scale? And that is, you know, you reach your early adopters, you reach the mainstream and, and continue from there. Um, I think that this is a really interesting problem because oftentimes what you find the, the challenge that people run into with messaging is that they often will try to go from really, really niche use cases that are very specific to that early audience into broad, very generalized messaging. And unfortunately, the impact there is that there's a lack of clarity and a lack of a defined audience. And so the thing that I really try to get people to focus on is making sure you understand who your audience is and why they use your product. Um, being really laser focused on kind of the drivers, the social, economic, functional, the buyers and users at any of the businesses that you're working with or any of the people that you're trying to reach and really crafting out a, um, a tailored customer journey for them where the messaging is going to reach them in the right channel. Awesome. So have you, is there ever a time in your career where you've, you've had this challenge and, and you've done this for a company? Like I'd love to hear. 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be an interesting one because it was the same problem, but coming at it from really the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. So when I was at WhatsApp, I was, it, it was one of the most incredible periods of time in my life. Um, and it was really a real thrill. I got to work on the global launch of our first ever monetization products for businesses. There were also significant challenges though. So on the product side, there were some, but we'll focus on messaging. <laughs> um, I think one of the things for WhatsApp is that we had a user base of over 1 billion people every month who used it at the time. And so this at face value is really different for a startup. I think a lot of startups would kill to have that many yes. people who are using your product. But it actually led us to similar challenge, but for the opposite reason, which is that we had too much demand and we had too many businesses clamoring for us to build things that they wanted to do with the platform. I'll never forget, we went to speak with a large e-commerce player in Europe. And when she sat down, when the head of marketing sat down to meet with us, the first thing she said was, I've been waiting to have this conversation for five years. And so when you've got that much demand built up, people want you to build the exact thing they need. And they want that across every business in every country that you're alive in. So how do you define a business product that seemingly every business wants to use for every possible right. Um, you know, there are examples like we had a national retailer in India or a global hotel chain that was based out of Southern Europe or, or you know, an, an airline that had flights all around the world. And with all of that, it also comes what part of the customer journey should you build in order for people and businesses to be able to reach each other. So how we really overcame this was that we were laser focused on why businesses should switch to WhatsApp. We basically looked at sort of all of the things that we could do with a focus on user value for the end consumer that they're trying to reach. And we kind of came up with some hypotheses around what we thought would be the most valuable thing for a person and a business to connect with and do over a messaging platform. And we came up with a couple of things. We wanted them to be able to provide customer service because oftentimes if you're a person on the other end working with the business, you maybe want to chat them instead of waiting for an email response or having to give them a call. Yep. We wanted to be able to send timely information because often when you're looking for like real-time messaging capabilities, it's because some information is urgent or needs to be known at a given point in time. This is really around like your hotel reservations, your purchase confirmations, um, your boarding passes, that kind of thing. And we also wanted businesses to understand how to retain customers using WhatsApp. We had a strong belief that providing a better user experience was gonna help them build more loyalty in their customers. So what we really did was we took these kind of like core principles around what businesses, no matter the industry you're in, want to do. And we used local homegrown examples in native languages so that businesses could understand sort of the ways in which other businesses had seen success using the platform. And we provided insights to them on the types of customers they were reaching on WhatsApp. I also think lastly and importantly, it's that we built a strategy that allowed us to optimize and iterate over time while working with the product team to prioritize new features. I think this is such an important aspect of successful messaging because you want to have a process in place that allows you to adapt and evolve with the needs of your customers. You want to be stubborn on your vision, but flexible on how to get there. <laughs> That's a really cool line. I really like that. That, that is awesome. Is that's from Jeff Bezos. I can't take credit for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> you could have with me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'm, you know, I think that is such a common problem with a lot of products where it's like anyone could use this and there's like billions of use cases. Mm -hmm. um, so I love what you're saying about sort of 
bringing it, getting laser focus on the customer value, um, you know, making that really clear. And then I like this idea of these local, um, bringing that to life in very specific local ways to help people really connect with that value. So we were just chatting and you shared a really awesome core belief that you have about great messaging. So I'd love for you to just share that with everyone and, and explain what you mean by it. Yeah. So great messaging is, I think, at its heart, a very simple thing that is actually difficult to execute. Um, you probably have seen lots of examples of bad messaging and few examples of great messaging. <laughs> My core tenet here is that you define your product by the problems you solve and not the features you sell. I personally love to use the jobs to be done framework. I think it's a great and simple way for anybody who's kind of at the beginning stage of, of, of launching something, but really at the heart of that, it's answering what is the job to be done? What will people hire your product to do? And I think there's a couple of ways to make sure you can really, really get at this. Um, one is you should be crystal clear on your audience, who they are and why they should care. Two is use your research to inform your messaging. So not only understanding the competitive landscape, but also your own product deeply. And you can do this in so many different ways. Um, I personally love this aspect of being a product marketer because I think naturally you want people to remain curious and you want them to always listen to the customer. And so I do this through a lot of different ways. Of course, you've got data and metrics that hopefully your data science team is, is tracking and looking at, but you've got customer surveys that you can send out. You've got your support queue and insights. You know, you, you'd be surprised like how many insights you can glean just seeing the number of tickets you get on a certain issue right? Uh, or the feedback or the suggestions that come through. And even people telling you they love some aspect of the product. And um, I think all of that is so great. You've got social media, you've got your sales team, and you can also go out and meet customers yourself, which I highly encourage product marketers to do. Yeah. It's like really about being like a, you know, detective and just kind of sniffing around for insights because you never know where you're going to find um, amazing insight. I was chatting with another product marketer a couple of weeks ago, and it was in an offhanded conversation, you know, with a customer that mm. totally changed the complete direction of their entire messaging strategy. So I love this idea of always being curious, looking everywhere uh, for information that can help inform your messaging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one question I like to ask um, everyone on this show, it's kind of silly, but, um, you know, if there was one word or phrase that you could banish from marketing for all of eternity, what would it be and why? I love this question so much. Um, I had, I have a phrase that immediately came to mind when I heard you say this. So I'm going to say it and my hope is that there are head nods and people have felt this pain with me as well, but we're here to help. This phrase is so ubiquitous and it just irks me so much. And I think there are really two main reasons why I get annoyed by it. The first is that your product should be simple enough or the job it is doing obvious enough that I don't actually need to reach out for you to you for help in understanding what I'm doing. I should be able to go to your website go through your new user experience flows and look at FAQs. And all of that should conceivably be enough for me to understand the value of your product. And second, I often find that the companies who use this phrase the most have bad customer support. And so that bothers me too. <laughs> it's so funny. It is, it, it is almost sort of like a, um, just a very sort of like lazy, passive way of yeah. saying that we want to help you be successful. It's like, we're here. 
Yeah. If you need us. Exactly. And to like end some like end or transition something. And it really, really bothers me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that is fantastic. No one has mentioned that, that kind of angle on customer um, service, but I think that's, that's a really good one. Well, I've absolutely loved chatting with you. You have some amazing stories from, you know, your past. And I know that you are starting a new role soon with a smaller company, very exciting new opportunity. So I wish you all the luck with that. Thank you so much, Emma. This was wonderful.